be time Digging through the crates of the throwbacks We don't know yet Sit back while Diane and Jess examine this hot mess Cause it can be no classic unless it passes the smell test You smell it Hello and welcome to Smell Test Podcast. This is the weekly podcast where we review beloved movies from our past to see whether they today, as of January 2024, still hold up culturally, ethically, humorously, and through our own personal gut checks. We conclude the episode by judging whether or not the film we've watched passes the smell test. So before we get started, because we don't like to be sued out of the zero dollars we make on this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) don't sue us. It's the don't sue us clause. So we have a few disclaimers. Uh, This podcast represents solely the opinion of the podcasters. That means me and Jess and is meant for entertainment purposes only. Um, We also have spoilers. So if you have not seen Robin Hood Men in Tights from 31 years ago, by all means, do that right now. So as for who's talking to you right now, I'm Diane. Um, I do a lot of things, but some parts of my identity is I'm a PhD student uh, studying lots of stuff related to equity. Uh, I also teach a little. I do a lot of research. Um, and so I like to look at ethics. That's one of my primary areas, ethics and equity. So um, right, as of right now, I said last week I'm 37. I'm not quite 37 yet. I'll be 37 in two weeks. At um, my house. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be spending my birthday with Jess in DC. Um, and so... Uh, so I'm 36. I was what, like six years old when this movie came out, but I've never actually seen it before now. Um, so Jess, tell us about who who are you? Who are you? (laughs) The major questions today. Yeah, just looking you in the eye. (laughs) Who Who are you? you? Who do you think you are are actually? (laughs) Um, I was playing, I have this game, we've played it before that game, Jackass. Uh no, it's smart ass is what it's called, and it's like a trivia game. And my my niece and nephew saw it, and they it's like a who are you, what are you, where are you kind of questions, and uh they think it's so funny because the word ass is in it. But this like eight year nine year old and six year old were killing trivia. Anyway, my name. So you're an aunt. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Jess. I'm an aunt, but not a mom, which I think is relevant. Um. I am 42 years old. I'm an attorney and I am also um, a professor of disability law and business law and an ADA coordinator, Americans with Disabilities Act coordinator. So um, I also do quite a bit with ethics because I'm a business, the legal and ethical environment of business uh, professor. Um, but really, when I look at uh, these movies that we were talking about and I, you know, Diana and I were talking offline about how, like, I never watched as much movies as I do now in this podcast. But is, um, I like to, you know, I think we should always be critical of society so that we can uh, have growth. And yeah. so when I'm looking at things, whether they hold up like last week, if you didn't listen to last week, man, it was a bummer at the end for me. Yeah, <laughs> but um. So yeah, that took that's, the long way there, but uh, I I was surprised at what we decided. Yeah, I well, and I think we decided correctly. I think I was yeah. trying not to. <laughs> Which is the the pushing away, the ethical fading. Right. 100%. Mm. Well, and it's interesting, right? So, um one thing that I like to think about is how film is an imprint of the times that it and happened talk in. about this is so many <laughs> fucking cultural references to 1993 so I was you, you have to know yeah i guess had to to exist in 1993 to get a lot of them but yeah so the movie we're going to talk about today is robin hood men in tights it's an it's from 1993 uh it's an adventure comedy film and it's a parody of I'm guessing at this point, a lot of y'all know the movie 
Robin Hood, the story about Robin Hood. At this point, I think this movie was a specific parody of a Kevin Costner yeah. Robin Hood movie. I could be totally wrong on that. Well, it had just come out recently before that. Okay. Prince of Thieves is pretty recent to that. Prince of period, Thieves but... was the name. Okay. Which came out in 91. So it's a it's essentially a parody of the Kevin Costner version, film version of Robin Hood that stars Kevin Costner. Um, it was produced and directed by Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a lot of random people doing cameos in the film. So, so many. <laughs> Jess, tell us a little bit about, since this is your movie this week. It is. Tell us a little bit about your experience with this film. So my family is a Mel Brooks family. Like I, I, and you know, what's funny about this movie is I don't remember when I first saw it, but I remember when my parents first saw it because, so I was 12 and this was, I think before, right before Patrick or like pretty So I have a brother who's 12 and a half years younger than me. So this was before Patrick and I babysat my sister who's who was 10 at the time and my brother who was seven at the time so that my parents could go on a date to watch this movie in theaters oh wow I my parents never went on dates like we were very poor and like very like blue collar practical like that kind of vibe and I just remember my mom being so happy after they got back from this movie because like my mom, like, for all the, part, you know, all the mom stuff, she, like, so deeply loves my dad in in maybe too much. Maybe she's a single white female like we talked about last week. <laughs> but <laughs> but but she was so happy when they came home from this. And I think she was excited to show us the movie because she thought it was so funny. So, oh, my God, so I think that that's the. You know, I saw it obviously way later and I'm sure I saw it on TV version when, you know, networks used to show versions of movies and it would be edited. So, you know, Mm -hmm. or or I was young enough that I didn't understand some of the jokes, but I think I probably saw this at 13 or 14. But I I I distinctly remember my parents seeing this movie. But, yeah, we're a Mel Brooks family. I mean, we like his humor. I've seen. All of them and all those parody movies, his Western parodies, Blazing Saddles. I didn't see that until I was considerably older. I think that's a little intensive a one, but we watched Spaceballs all the time. Uh, History of the World Part One was like a very staple movie in my house. Actually, weirdly enough, the only movie, Mel Brooks movie I didn't uh, see the original of is The Producers, which is like his longest running kind of most critical success. But yeah, all of them. So um, I I think that's a lovely story. <laughs> and I will say I'm fairly certain I don't have any experience with Mel Brooks films. Um, <laughs> As I watched it, I was like, oh, Diane's going to be mad at me like I was with Empire Records. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mel Brooks, you know, I got to say, I actually know Mel Brooks, <laughs> which is kind of funny, but I know him mostly as I'm pretty sure he played a character on The Simpsons of um, Homer's brother. So in one of the episodes homer simpson has a brother and i'm pretty sure that's the only reason why i know who mel brooks is (laughs) that is wild he was such a significant part of my movie watching childhood i will say it was always hard for me to understand um parody as a kid Mm -hmm. now i will say my experience with this film which i did not know it as a mel brooks film um is that um i've seen parts of this film um presumably during that very brief moment i had hbo when i lived in california which is when i watched empire records yeah so um and this is how i know i've watched parts of it there are two scenes in the whole film that i remember 
And I was too young to understand the first one. The one is the chastity belt. I did not understand anything <laughs> related to that. I just knew that this woman had this thing, this device. I thought it was a real device. Like I grew up thinking this was a real thing that happened. Um, and then the second scene I remember is when Robin went um, and was fighting the dude at the, the, who wanted the toll. Um, yeah, little John. little John, yeah. And I remember the scene where their sticks cut breaking. Yeah, and then he just, he fell in the river. Yeah, so, so those, were, those were the only scenes I remember. I did not remember what an impressive cast it is. So um, I remembered Amy Asbeck and Carrie oh. El- Elves. Is that how you say it? I El- think it's I should ask. My friend is like a a princess bride fanatic and like goes and sees that live show that he does which is kind of interesting right because isn't princess bride to an extent a comedy yeah and i actually saw um we watched the princess bride a lot when i was little so so i knew him from that before i saw this movie so i was a pretty big fan always um yeah, I mostly know him, which this is not good. Uh, and I mentioned this movie last week because Delicia Silverstone's in it, The Crush. Like, that is what I know him from. That and the movie. I don't movie think song. I've actually ever watched The Crush. I, but- I think we might actually have to watch it because it's pretty disturbing, but I loved it. <laughs> I loved okay. it growing up. Anyway, uh, I watched it fairly recently and was like, this is disturbing. I'm going to have to unpack this. But <laughs> you know, Carrie always is in it. Richard Lewis, Dave Chappelle is in it. That was surprising. Year old Dave Chappelle, he was nineteen. Oh my, no way! Little baby, How Dave he looked Chappelle? like a middle aged man his whole life. He looked the same age until he got all roided out and stopped being funny. Now, sorry. Uh-huh. I, well, that's I the first. That's, <laughs> that's the first thing. Let's talk about that. So, Dave Chappelle plays Achu. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Um, Whose dad is uh, Isaac. Isaac Hayes. Isaac Hayes. Right. Two men who ended up being extremely problematic. Right. Yeah. They had to kill him <laughs> off on uh, when when the when the Park. boys from South Park are like, whoa, buddy, you're gone too That's far. That's gone too far, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah uh isaac hayes rest in peace but you were kind of problematic towards the end of your life there buddy um and then we have dave Chappelle, who um contemporarily i would say uh <laughs> uh yeah um hmm I'm yeah, I think I were we say talking that. about this a couple weeks ago. I you he know stopped like, being I, funny, I would say, and got and got more hacky. Yeah. So there's a certain brand of comedian. Um, like I love Dave Chappelle in a lot of ways. I used to love Chappelle show. I think it's love funny that. and had brilliant social commentary on a lot of stuff. But um, I feel like comedians sometimes hit a hit a point where they default to making kind of what i would call lazy jokes mm-hmm. but then if you don't like it they say you're offended yeah and uh stop crying like, yeah well, like buy your ticket motherfucker. Like, how about that sensitive one right yeah like just think through your jokes a little more but anyway yeah. so he he plays a chew and it's like a typical well is it really have you seen the other movies Rob, do you are you deep in Robin Hood lore? I am not deep in Robin Hood lore, except the one with the foxes. I really like that one. It's my favorite like a Disney, Disney movie. movie. It's my favorite Disney movie. So, here's one thing about the movie: I was surprised. So, I always assumed that Robin Hood's whole deal was that he like took money from people and like helped his village. Like, I thought yeah. that was his whole deal. That's not the deal in the like that's not no. really the plot in this film. No, it's so like, he starts off, he was fighting the crusades, he gets captured, and then he like swims back to England. Which I don't know why I thought that was so funny that that's hilarious. Like, the map of him swimming back to England. Oh gosh. But um, but yeah, he he's a crusades fighter, so he's a big so in all Robin Hood lore, a kind of across the board is that he is close to King Richard. 
And then Prince John is always kind of like the big bad guy in a lot of them, like the cartoon version. And I think some of the other ones, he's robbing the rich to steal, robbing the rich to give to the poor. Right. But that wasn't really a factor in this. He was more like of a fighter for getting your stuff back in this movie. Right. That you already own that. So, like, it's still a little bit of a social commentary, right? Mm -hmm. And that um, he is like a social commentary. I guess it's like anti tax. Yeah. <laughs> anti tax, anti big government. At this point in time, at this current juncture, I will say I don't love paying my taxes because right now my taxes are going to things that I don't want them to go to, uh, which feels uncomfortable. But for the most part, I'm pro-tax. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for social programs, but they were spending the taxes only on themselves and just so, the life out of people. That's why little John had to had to make you pay a toll to get over a tiny tiny bridge over a tiny tiny creek right so basically though it wasn't as focused on like a redistribution of wealth right so yeah. i mean it doesn't really matter the most of the story was based around a romance action yeah. right mm -hmm. yeah so just being silly it's just a silly movie like all the way through and and as not a Mel Brooks like person, you would have missed a lot of the jokes. And I actually contend that now as an adult, it's funny because I got some of the jokes that I didn't get before. Like, so there's this one scene where they're setting up the murder of Robin Hood and they switch to Columbo music and the like style and shoot of Columbo. And I was like, oh, because I never watched Columbo as a kid. But as an adult, I love deeply love Angela Lansbury and watch Murder, She Wrote. And then obviously when I ran out of Murder, She Wrote episodes, I went to Columbo. And then there was a Columbo scene in the movie. And I was like, oh, I didn't get that when I was 13 or, you know, but there's also like a lot, you know, when skipping all the way to the end, when Patrick Stewart's character, who <laughs> I thought Patrick Stewart was Scottish for a long time because of that accent. Um, when Patrick Stewart's character comes out and he kisses Maine Marion, and then Mel Brooks says, it's good to be the king. That's from History of the World Part One. So, like, there's a lot of, like, uh, lines uh, from this movie that if you, like, there was a space ball of, like, there are references to each other a lot. He does a lot of cross, he's, he was like RuPaul. Lots of cross promotion of himself in that movie. <laughs> he also, um, there was a Blazing Saddles reference, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh, so when I caught that the... one, <laughs> I didn't catch a lot of the other ones that you just described. So this is kind of like, so we watched what was it called? Mom and Dad Save the World. We did not watch that. No, which one did we watch? Um, no, the other one. Um, yeah, but I love that movie. Uh, we yeah, watched. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that from Coneheads? In Coneheads, there was no, like... no, no, with John Ritter. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah yeah stay tuned stay tuned the other version i always confuse those two so kind of like stay tuned you have to be like super familiar i feel like with the zeitgeist so the the times to to think a lot of this is funny right yeah i mean there was a home alone reference early on it was like a lot of the popular oh, i didn't movies. see i didn't the kid the kid when he was like ah! when he's screaming yeah oh and he goes, i gotta go home alone now and then he ran off screaming again he had his hands on his face yeah i, I don't see i'm just kind of dumb <laughs> i was so like good. all right he has to, he was i thought he was just saying he didn't want them around him anymore <laughs> so dumb. well they do get i love that every time that uh robin hood goes on one of his like great speeches people just fall asleep they're like shut up we don't need to <laughs> that you know i one of the things that you know with the difference of robin hood not being a poor character but actually being kind of a rich character in this that comes from a family of generational wealth is that every time he talked people started falling asleep and it just felt very um like okay rich guy pat him on the head shut up <laughs> shut up now <laughs> Yeah, well, that's kind of like the way the whole movie mm -hmm. feels to me. Like, he wasn't really a man of the people as much as he was 
a dispossessed, spoiled, rich guy who kind of wanted his stuff back. <laughs> At least that's how it felt like to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, like, there's also a scene where one of them, like, locks up their horse with a club device. Yeah. <laughs> which, like, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't understand what a club is. But I have to tell you, I want I needed to work this in somehow. Okay. There are people in the city of Portland who still use the club. Oh yeah. I don't think I've seen And I've noticed this one type of one type of vehicle that people use the club on. And I have no idea why. Volkswagens. Subarus. Okay, close enough. I was a good guess on my point. Yeah, it's it's Subarus. And so people and it's a lot of Subaru wagons, even. Okay. But I so in Portland you see a lot of Subarus. Well, a there's a lot of lesbians in Portland. Yeah. part of the game. that four wheel drive. Well, <laughs> you know? and it's the topo- beyond the levels of homosexuals who live there. It's the topography actually. Yeah, like yeah, you kind of yeah. need I'm them. Just <laughs> but um, I have no idea. I've never Googled it, but I did ask. So we have a friend named Tom who used to be an ambassador for Subaru because he's like a car guy mm-hmm. and like he like had like Subaru like sunglasses and like a Subaru like ball cap and he was so, like, the original I texted influencer <laughs> yeah so I texted him one day and I was like why do so many Subarus have the club device and he yeah. had no idea so I don't know I feel like I should really actually google this but this <laughs> we're fact. gonna get to the bottom Excuse me, listener. Um, if you're listening and you have a Subaru, please fill us in. Why Chime in, or if you use the club and you don't use it on a Subaru, but that's the only time I've ever seen the club device exist in the wild as of today. Right. <laughs> and I see them with fair, like fairly frequently. Important. So not totally. See, it's not just a 1993 reference. Another not just 1993 reference is the police beating. And Dave Chappelle going, oh, someone's videotaping this. Yep, yep. And I was like, and I was like, well, he said, I hope someone's getting a video of this. And I was like, and I know it was a response to Rodney King, because that was a little more contemporary. But that's still an issue. That's the only way that fucking police get caught now. So, so. And it's still dubious as to whether or not they're prosecuted. Yep. For those things. Yeah, for Um, sure. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny um another thing that i noticed and i'm really curious about your input on this because since you are kind of an expert in <laughs> disability law and okay. this, this is what you, this is I where was like you, in what <laughs> <laughs> well in disabilities and so there were something i noticed was blinken they did jokes about blinken but they weren't necessarily like making fun of the fact he was blind right right so how did you feel about the the treatment of blinken in this film or did you have any thoughts so i thought that the blinken stuff was a little slapstick but ultimately they still gave him like a lot of um a lot of like like he saved the day. There were spaces. Right. Where, he like, was just he, as empowered as the other right. dude. And he Robin was part Hood. of it. Yeah. And I thought it was like, you know, the first thing I thought about Blinken. So when we meet Blinken, he is on the toilet of a, a castle that just got <laughs> yeah. taken away. And he didn't know. But he was also on like using a braille dirty magazine which i loved i loved that and so, so i was much. like look at that accessibility look yes at that. look at that. that's what i thought too the thing that i actually thought was more problematic in terms of it from a disability perspective here we go tell me <laughs> was the dyslexia this is this the dyslexia oh. of the sheriff yes <laughs> oh, okay. Bad. okay so first let's talk about the sheriff character this is a like high level actor Right. This guy was Shakespeare plays in England like this guy was high level, also gay in real life. Only for his last four or five years that he was married because he got married, you know, when it was legal. But Roger Rees was like an established actor. So I love when a fucking established actor just goes and makes fun of himself and like is silly and stupid. I love that. I do think like the 
I don't really understand the dyslexia storyline and that didn't make him worse. Uh, he was just bad. Yeah. And, but maybe it was something to make him, I was like, is that trying to give him some like humanist sympathy here? Because I can't tell why, like the purpose of this joke, except then I was like, am I overthinking the, is it dyslexia or is he just one of those people who just is like so overwhelmed by like, cause he was an intense person who would get very overwhelmed and not a good guy, obviously. So, so was he just like mixing up his words because he was like so intense and he couldn't get the jumble out. But yeah, that was, that was the one that was more uncomfortable to me. Yeah. And I just thought it was interesting. Um, I, I kind of noticed like one with the physical disability, it's cool, right? Like they're fine, everyone's fine with it. But then when it comes to like a, maybe more of a cognitive disability, everyone's kind of making fun of him for right. it. Yeah. Like the, the old joke is that he mixes his words up. So, and I mean, I and in know. reality, that's, that's very much of, that is very, very much, uh, how it is in real life now right we yeah. have a lot of accommodations established like i'm we have many accommodations established or modifications established for blind folk but for a person with dyslexia that comes and tries to speak you know i try we all individually can try we can try to use like aerial font is easier for a dyslexic person to read than like times new roman so maybe just change the font like those kind of things but those aren't like set in stone in the way that we need to make sure that there's truncated domes at the end of a curb to make sure that someone with a walking stick can detect whether it's a curb that goes into nothing or it's a curb that goes into another side, like is a crosswalk, you know, like those kind of things yeah, are much more established and set up. And I think, uh, I think for so long, cognitive disabilities were just a joke. Or we're wrapped up in craziness in that like very like or being dumb, asylum right? kind of word or just considered to be dumb that those yeah. those things have taken longer to progress. And that's why people with cognitive disabilities are the least likely to be employed across the board. And then when you add in other social identities like race or um, income levels and those kind of things, well, generational wealth, I should say, and those kind of things. All those compound to that being just a hyper underemployed group, which leads to the need for social services, which our taxpayer dollars are not going to right now. Right. So like the big if, you know, overall overarching thing, it that was the part for sure that made me the most uncomfortable was I was like, oh, why did you have to have that? You know, yeah, everything else was gaggy, right. like the mole moving around on the king. That was gaggy. so funny, though. So funny. <laughs> so just so stupid. But that was the one that I was like, I don't get why this is in here. Yeah. You know, I've always been very sensitive to dyslexia. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is why books are so important, everybody, is because mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I read a book that was called My Name is Brain. And it was about a, a boy's experience with dyslexia. And so, like, I was eight or nine when I read that. And so it left an imprint on me. And so I've always been, like, sensitive to issues for people, um, issues that people experience who have dyslexia because yeah. of that particular book. Um, and, you know, that's Percy Jackson's story is he's dyslexic. So, like, in the books, you know, it's a it's a... It was a not great movie, and now it is a actually pretty good Disney show. Um, mm -hmm. But the books, if you read the book, first of all, that world. Have you read them? No. Oh, they're fucking amazing. I don't know no, why I said I it like that. I'm sorry. I just she went, no. gave me so much attitude. <laughs> okay, first of all. I just said reading's great. Weirded? Then you asked me if I've read something. I'm like, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the author's name is Reardon, but the Percy Jackson series is one of he has these like intermingling it's very cool so first of all if your kid has a disability it's a great series because basically the characters have these disabilities when they're in regular like human world but they're half gods so all the characters 
realize that the reason that they have these kind of like offsets is because they're part god which is like very empowering i think to kids because it shows them kind of like as a superpower instead of a problem but then it's really cool too because like it's a new way to look at because the main characters are greek mythology you know zeus and all them and then there's also a book series about um roman gods and a book series about egyptian gods and like i i can't remember where i lost my spot because there are like dozens and dozens of books but they all end up meeting each other at some point in time so it's like it's very it's Aww. very cool and the show is very well done but to your point it, it like my i've had some friends who had kids with disabilities and that's always a book that I suggest and listen one out of four people the the estimate is 27 percent of Americans have a disability so like these are kind of things that are common for people um across the board and that's why like this kind that kind of representation exists in those books and in others but that one really I think that that really is like a very hyper inclusive book because this idea that they're like half bloods, even like ha that's what they're called. Camp half blood is where they go. They're half God and half person. But then we think about like, like the idea of being mixed race, being from different cultures from, you know, like it really coolly yeah. plays out. So anyway, this isn't about Percy Jackson, but it sounds like it really shows multitudes, but in yeah. this, in the, the um, lens of this film, that was like the first joke about this dude hinges on that. Yeah. So no, the you're... first joke about oh yeah yeah, but then there's a Dan Dan Quill joke. Oh, right see, after I that, didn't get that one either. <laughs> and so, but one of the one of the things things with that right is that it it was a way to show that he's like not to be taken seriously, which right. was kind of a bummer. So, yeah. but mm. I think that both the bad guys right if we talk about prince john and we talk about sheriff of nottingham those two bad guys both had this like piece that made them look ridiculous right so so the prince john was also like this hyper emotional guy right mm -hmm. like he would don't give me bad news i can't handle it my anxiety is too he's much. also sensitive to sound which is an autistic yeah. trait yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> but i don't think that they i think that they did it in like with him because well also because that's kind of richard lewis's stick he just played himself like you know what i mean yeah. that's a lot of that particular actor comedian's vibe but in that like all those things didn't make him those weren't the things that made him bad, the things that made him bad. And that's every story about Prince John is he's a little crybaby. That's part of in the cartoon version. He holds his ear and he sucks his thumb and cries for his mom. So like he's basically like a little bitch while his mm -hmm. um, his like brother is fighting one of the brother. worst wars in, a, in the whole wide world. <laughs> like, yeah. like, the one right. that just like exterminated people for their religious beliefs, you know, just kind of like now real casual oh casually yeah. just like <laughs> just like now yeah yeah so and actually i will say the inquisition uh is something and the um crusades is something that mel brooks talks about in the in the um history of the world he has a song it's like the inquisition what a show it's like the big oh. so one of the things we talked about off because i was trying to find the name of it as Mel Brooks finds a lot of um, inspiration from the Busby Berkeley, Busby Berkeley musicals. And those are the musicals where you see the dancers walk around in concentric circles and then they're like shooting from above and then they pull back and they do like a big, long chorus line number kind of deal. Um, they do it more in History of the World, but obviously music was a big part of this movie because otherwise we wouldn't have such amazing musical numbers as... We're men, we're men in tights. <laughs> I like the opening scene and the ending scene. And I started to think, I think this is, might actually have been the most racially diverse cast movie that we've watched so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because the only time that um, Dave Chappelle's race is mentioned is at the end when they go, a black, a black sheriff. sheriff. And he goes, worked in Blazing Saddles. And then, and Blinken goes, he's black? 
<laughs> yeah, they, you know, they um I did understand the shout out to the Nikes that had the pump in them. Oh, that was that okay. was pretty funny. With Time out. Hold on. <laughs> with I am out of air. <laughs> but they they also had Arabs in it, which I think this ends mm -hmm. up being the first. Well, I guess sec second, if you count The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. But it's the first film that actually featured some Arab folks, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, we had the ethnically ambiguous and um, Ben and uh, is as name in Short Circuit. Yeah, we're not talking. Which about at the him. as of right now, Short Circuit is the episode that's listened, been listened to the most. Which is funny because that was like our our hardest. No, <laughs> this doesn't go. Maybe we should just maybe, maybe we should need to find more movies that just don't pass it that we just really fucking hate because yeah. if that's doing so well. <laughs> what a movie <laughs> i know it's just so funny um it's overtaken leprechaun which leprechaun was our top oh, listen to sorry matt you're becoming less relevant i guess it's a sign he has to come back yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah so any other scenes really resonate with you or um so one of my you know what my dumb favorite scene is <laughs> When he kicks the soldiers and they all fall like dominoes. <laughs> yeah. It just goes on for so long. See, that's the fucking beauty of Mel Brooks is he commits to a joke and just lets it go on for 30 seconds. I love that style. Yeah. It's so funny. So funny. And then, you know, I think, I think, you know, well, first of all, we got to talk about Amy Yazbek and, and like, so last week we had a sad moment because we were talking and we've had John Ritter conversations. We talked about Brittany yeah. Murphy last week, but, but Amy Yazbeck, dude, yeah. I love she, her. Okay. Since he died, she has committed her life to his foundation. Like yep. she's barely acted. Yep. And like, she's still like last year was on the news talking about like, this is what, an aortic display this what he had like a i've seen her on aortic. twitter talking about it she's always talking about it she's like so dedicated and yeah. to her husband and she's lebanese Is by she? the way i just googled okay. it yeah hey Aww. one of us look at it one of me's one of you's but she, yeah, she's a, she just stays so committed and she was so funny and she was like, she reminded me of Madeline Kahn in this movie and the, and Madeline Kahn is often in other Mel Brooks movies. So I think that maybe that was intentional, but she just reminded me so much of the, like, she did such a good job being so ridiculous in this movie. And I fucking loved every scene, like when she sings her song and then she stands up with her her everlast uh lock and <laughs> you're gonna rust and Broomhilda was so so ridiculous um and so that whole thing was just really funny so amy asbeck i can't see her without thinking oh john ritter because i love john ritter right. um and i'm sure we talked about how much we love john ritter in the stay tuned episode but um she never got married again and she wrote a book about him. <laughs> like, I know. That's I just can't. like true love. I can't like they. Were that death hard. really messed me up. That was a yeah. hard one on me. Uh, John Ritter and Brittany Murphy, I think, are my hardest celebrity deaths. The most recent one that has me feeling that way is Leslie Jordan's death. Yeah, yeah, that was sad because like, I watched that show. <laughs> like, I know that we don't like Miami Alec right now sometimes oh we never have but that's okay <laughs> uh you didn't like the way that she like weirdly she did some weird shit the kids early on but um yeah and she also I, wrote some like slut shaming articles about dressing modestly oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets generally not a good person she's just kind of an asshole all around yeah but i love me some kyla pratt and i, do I love, love leslie jordan pratt. so I watched the show and um and I was like I was real real bummed with him. He's so sweet. Little yeah, boy. that one was super disappointing. Um, I don't have any fun facts about this film, but I have like a mediocre fact and then like a really sad fact. Okay. So this is all through Wikipedia, but the co-writer, there was two people who wrote it together, and 
Um, one is named Evan Chandler, and the other one is J. David Shapiro. They allegedly wrote these both with Mel Brooks. Mm -hmm. Um, J. David Shapiro was, I guess, the primary writer of this movie, and he was like 23 or 24 when it was written. He was born in 69, and this came out in 93, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's just the kind of, oh, kind of fact. Okay. The second, like, really deep, dark fact is that Evan Chandler, on Wikipedia, if you click to see more about who he is, um, he doesn't have his own Wikipedia page, but he's featured on a page about the victims of Michael Jackson. Oh. And the reason why is because his son was a victim. So... Yeah, his story ended kind of sad. So then I was like looking at this movie thinking, wow, there's like kind of a lot of sadness in this. <laughs> like it's when like... you think about what happened to some of these folks, which that's just a time thing, right? Like that has nothing to do with the movie. But I started to think like Dave Chappelle, Isaac Hayes, you know, the sad story of Amy Yazbek, you know, and uh, what happened to the writer, huh? Yeah, the sheriff, Roger Reese. He stayed, that guy stayed true. Well, first of all, it makes me really sad that he didn't get married until 2011 and he died in 2015. So that's sad because that like sad. he's gay. So it probably took till then till he could get married. And that was a big thing. But right. he stayed on stage until in his 70s. He was a Broadway actor and he stayed on stage until two months before he died. I love that. I love it. But it's still, yeah. It's dedication. But that's the that's the idea, though. A lot of comedy comes from hurt and from pain, because, yeah, I think a lot of times that's where we find like a little bit of a universal understanding of each other, either through extreme joy or through pain. That's where we universally connect. And mm -hmm. I think that that's why a lot of comedy comes from there. So that's why we see a lot of comedians who are really, really like Robin Williams, obviously, like, yeah. really, really sad, you yeah. know, right. Yeah, and so I think, you know, with this movie in particular, I'm just trying to imagine what it would have been like if I were, like, your mom watching this. And, like, no offense, but, like, being a mom sounds like it sucks. Like, yeah, y'all are, y'all are champs, but it sounds it. exhausting. <laughs> uh, I'm a selfish person, so I cannot be a mother. Uh, and it just sounds so tiring. And, um, I'm just imagining like going out for a night and at this point you're pointing out that a lot of these movies hinge on your knowledge of other things that were happening at the time. Mm. So in a way, no matter how you're feeling in the moment, you're going to a movie, you're surrounded by other people. It's probably like nighttime. You're surrounded by a bunch of people ready to have a good time and you're all just watching essentially parodies of the life you're experiencing right flashing back at you and i'm i'm just imagining what a, what a wonderful time that must have been yeah yeah i do remember her being so so happy after yeah. seeing it and i just you know i think it's one of those those uh those situations that like when you watch it contem <clears throat> contemporarily it just feels very fresh you know, because think mm -hmm. about how fast that is, like, like his joke, like, unlike other Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. Yeah. And he's making fun of Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, right? right, right. But that was like less than two years before. And that's fast. And right. I think now, like, do movies take longer? Because like, how come I know about what is coming out that I was like, oh, great. It's going to come out. Into oh, like, um, uh, Wicked. Yeah, it comes out in fall of 2025 right like we've known oh. about it for like three years why why does it take so long <laughs> besides like a strike but well the strike but i'm also thinking with a movie like that i wonder how how long it takes to do cgi because you know yeah. that movie is going to be mm -hmm. like cgi the fuck out of so um and i also feel like some of this happens for strategic reasons not related to the production at all. So what would fall like it doesn't sound like they're gonna have it done by this fall, maybe. Maybe next fall would be awards season. Oh, you know? 
So there's certain films that are. Oh, really- it is 2024. I'm sorry, but still, we've known about it for a very long time. You know, right. so if you think about a movie like this, that everything was so contemporary, you know, right. And now, and like I said, I watch it, you know, Dom DeLuise playing the Godfather, like that oh, kind of transcends so time, much. right? Yeah. And and when he took out the gods, like, and I'm the person with a pretty, I get kind of gaggy and stuff like that, but it was just so fucking funny, like, because just of who he was, mm-hmm. and like, then he's like taking gods out of his mouth because he's impersonating the Godfather, like, it was just, that was just a delight, like, every, every scene. Yeah, he's a he. He did a candid camera, right? Uh, Was he the host of that? Maybe I don't know. I I don't know. I had he has to have been because I I was watching this and I was like, oh, it's Dom DeLuise, and like I don't think I know him from anything, um, other than being the host of Candid Camera. Oh. What is a comedian? I think maybe I'm saying wrong things. Um, by the way, I googled, um, I googled uh, Mel Brooks, and I confused him with Al Brooks. Number one, (laughs) there is an Al Brooks movie that I need to find, and it's like about he dies, and they're like figuring out if he should go to heaven, but he's done nothing important his whole life. And it's like with numbers, and but maybe he falls in love with someone in heaven, so now he needs to get there. I don't know, but keep going. Hmm. Sorry, derailed. Yeah, no. So that was just my quick correction before we move on. But it was Danny DeVito who played Homer Simpson's brother, and oh, Al Brooks okay. played another character. But it's it's just at the end of the day, I've lived my life confusing Alan Mel Brooks. Why? Because I haven't really watched either of their, their films. The name sounds familiar enough. All right. I do have a serious Diane question about this movie. Yeah. I was like, as soon as it started, you know, they, they light the, the village on fire and they're like, there are other ways to do credits for a Robin Hood movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they tell Mel Brooks to fuck off. How do you feel about movies that like break the third wall? So. Well, let's get into that. Can we transition to our favorite, least favorite cringiest? Because that was actually one of my favorite parts. Sure. Sure. <laughs> we sure can. Because uh, I, I loved it. I loved the breaking the fourth wall. What fourth about wall. you? Uh, No, I think it's fine. I mean, I love everything. I I fucking love this movie. If you told me you didn't think it passed the smell test, I'm still like, I'm like, shut up. It does. <laughs> you had the guy who's like walking and his like cane like hits the the camera and he's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and like that could have been for real. Or during the, fight, during the fight scene when they were like, they were like all having the big fight in the castle at like the big banquet. And then like they they broke a camera, like they took the guy's sandwich or like when she was she was in the bath and the camera the camera broke, broke the window yeah <laughs> and then the and blazing the saddles thing i felt was kind of like a self-aware but mm-hmm. they had it throughout which i thought was so funny and i thought that's a- that added to the humor because it was just like so absurd and then they had like um things that they that didn't exist during that time right like yeah. the the shoes with the pumps on it or yeah. Dave Chappelle's hat was like a backwards like ball baseball cap and right. with a snap snapback and and like just shit like that it, it adds to the humor because it just shows how absurd and non-serious it is yeah yeah that's what I think yeah okay I like it all right you want to give me your other things so that was your favorite yeah, least favorite was uh the sexual assaults or yeah, so many sexual assaults. Yeah, so many. But like, and uh, that's one of those things that like those were so prevalent in those storylines. Yep. Forever. Yeah. Right. So but when you think about smell tests, right, and you have to think about hard like what could actually if you remade this movie and people are watching it. This is why I'm thinking, like, if I'm an audience watching this for the first time in a theater with the same kind of plot lines, would I be offended? Would I think this is kind of gross? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. So that's what I was thinking about. So you have the um, assaults on the sheriff of Rottingham mm-hmm. by, was it Lady Latrine? 
or yeah, something. Uh, I, they just called her Latrine. Yeah, Latrine. Tracy Ullman. Yeah, played by Tracy Ullman, who I love. Um, and then by uh, and two, huh? Sheriff was the uh, by and two. He got it. He was the assaulter, and he was being assaulted. Yeah, yeah, and so then he also was assaulting Marion, so Amy Asbeck's character, and he. Mm -hmm took a jackhammer after her and so that was creepy and then this was supposed to be charming and you said that it's a callback to another one of mel brooks films but uh the king comes back king richard comes back and won't let robin and marion get married until he kisses marion and he his like niece his niece and he takes so he, he takes like a long time <laughs> Like I know, but he looks so handsome, it. and I think she was into it. But it, but the storyline is, is that's his niece, so that's where it gets real gross. But you know, I think I'm talking about in like maybe I do know more about Robin Hood than I thought. But in the lore, that's his niece. Um, that's why she lives in the palace. But they didn't really touch on that in the film, did they? No, I didn't think so. Yeah, <clears throat> no, it doesn't really explain their relationship. She says her parents are dead, and I just kind of assumed like. Because just the, some guy. The prince just nicely <laughs> took her in to live. <laughs> yeah. Um, as one does. So, I think that you know what I think. One thing though that was ahead of its time in this movie is like, and and it's not. You know, I think you, the hard thing with sexual assaults in movies is that it's not. It's part of people's genuine existence, right? Like, unfortunately, this happens to a lot of people. I think the thing with the way that this movie did it is that I, I feel like it was very intentional. Like, it doesn't just happen to women in a in a more enlightened way than most of the other ones. Even though they made jokes about it, I do appreciate the fact that I don't appreciate that it happened at all, but like I appreciate the fact that it was shown both ways, just like in the craft. But again, in the craft, we saw the man's assault is more of like a punishment and the woman's assault and like deserved. You Which know? is kind of how it's framed in this too, right? Yeah. 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 But okay. But I so I I have a couple favorites. I didn't see I my just yet. What? Oh, you didn't? I, I thought that was your cringiest. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, that was my least favorite parts for the attempted oh. sexual. Cringiest, just quick one. It's um, they're doing. I think it's called the tomahawk chop. Yeah. The, yeah. What is it? The archery contest. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Some just rubbed me wrong about like in the context of it being that's, in like, that's, and that's Florida State, right? Or is that the the Kansas oh, no. City Chiefs? I think it's like a professional like baseball or football team. Okay. I'm pretty sure is what what they're they're doing it for. I think they still do because yeah. then the Washington we had the Nationals in Washington is mm -hmm. our I mean not the Nationals the the Atlanta Braves. Oh okay yeah yeah, which is baseball. Yeah, right? so we don't know sports. Um, so <laughs> what do we call our um? It's not the Nationals. Whatever our Washington D.C. football team is now has a different name and it used to be the redskins and now the it commanders has... i think yeah the commanders yeah which you know just all right <laughs> yeah it's like but it's possible to change them because you know like i always say <clears throat> you know he doesn't they're still not great but when doll wrote uh willie Wonk, well charlie and the chocolate factory the original script the Oompa Loompas were African pygmy slaves. That's what they mm -hmm. were. Mm -hmm. And then in the 70s, he goes, eek, that's not okay. And he changed the character. Yeah. And no one pays attention to that. No one's like, damn it, should have been African pygmy slave. Now, obviously, yeah. in the Oompa Loompas are still like enslaved peoples. So it's kind of weird. It seems mm -hmm. like the one in the newest version are more like peers that hang out with him. But I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. But all that is to say that, like, I hate when people say that, like, changing something is not worth it. When we talk about, like, these sports teams changing their names, how is it not worth it if it makes people more comfortable 
Like, why but, is that something you fight against? Because your tradition is more important than other people being more comfortable. Eat a dick is the answer that I would have to that. Yeah. So in the context of the film, this quote unquote tradition right. is that people mimic a using a tomahawk with their arm and then they mimic indigenous people from america yeah. so you yeah. call them native americans you hear them called native americans american indians what have you but there are people who are indigenous to north america they start mimicking their the songs that they sing in like cir drum circles and ceremonies mm -hmm. and stuff but it's just like mimicking and something about like the group that ended up being set, the settler colonials, yeah, uh, called the settler colonizers, if you will, um, mimicking that. Like, I get that it's like in the context of the the baseball team or whatever, but mm -hmm. I don't like it when I see people do it in America for the baseball team. I didn't right. like it when I saw people do it on this film. So, what about you? So, my cringiest is is the dyslexia bit that we talked kind of at length yeah. about um and then um there so this like spans it a little bit like i love the end of it but the joke like you know once again the broomhilda like weight jokes but yeah. the fact that mm -hmm. she ends up with little john at the end is like very cute to me but my favorite scene is that little john fights <laughs> with the stick in the in the over the creek and then he falls in he's like i can't swim <laughs> yeah. but the thing i like about the little john character and i okay lazy ass writers of the robin hood story like why is there a little john and a prince john just fucking make a new name there were more names than that there's no mark in the movie like just but anyway um but <laughs> i mean it's already done jack keep them but little john i love how his character had so much like toughness and sensitivity and i thought that, yeah. that was a balance that we didn't see a lot at that time uh you know like this actor is the actor who play was the first time thor was played by a a, a person right like it was this actor later really? he goes on to be the dad on uh good luck charlie on the disney channel but yeah <laughs> oh my gosh can i just say for one minute i've yes. been reading about the good luck charlie lore do you know that show at no. all i the show yeah yeah, yeah. i used to see it sometimes you watch it yeah there's a lot of lore behind the cast members and one of them is currently a, a law student simultaneously and a phd student oh look at that being overachiever <laughs> yeah i love it i've gotten deep i have never seen the show but i love bridget mendler now who's the actress in that film in that show anyway well he was the dad so he played her dad yeah, I guess that's great. So, um, you know, like I love that he had that, like that, that, like it's an early representation of you can be like strong and also sensitive and kind of a baby about things because we're all like a bunch of different things at once. I also like the Will Scarlet O'Hara when we meet him and he's like, he's like doing a knife trick and then he tries to put the knives in his pants and he cuts off his pants. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Like just dumb, just all like all the dumb references. I love and I love that every time I watch this movie, I see something new. And I think that that's the the thing about Mel Brooks movies, why they continue to stay that you can keep watching them, that you watch them more than once, because I usually don't want I don't watch a lot of movies more than once. We are experiencing the very few movies that i've watched more than once and one of the reasons i love mel brooks movies is because every fucking time i watch it there's a new joke that i never caught before and my other favorite scene is the night is young and you're so beautiful and he gets like they think he has an erection because <laughs> i'm a four-year-old <laughs> a 14 year old boy in my body but when they're all watching and then the screen comes down and they realize it's just a sword and they're mad that's funny yeah. And then hated it. Um, we're the same as yours. I mean, I just like you. It's just I hate that. Like any story about power has to be about power of sex over people, and like that's such a brutal way to do things. And I never that scene with the jackhammer. I don't think I ever paid attention to it at the extent I paid. And I was like, oh my god, because mm -hmm. even if you broke it open, he would jackhammer through her vagina. You know what I mean? And 
And right. he was just so like gross and sweaty and like, sorry, we don't have time for romance, but I'm going to rape you. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. And then, you know, Tracy Ullman, like giving it back to him. It just reminds me of like, remember how, and I don't think people do it anymore, but what it triggered for me is remember how when like a rapist went to jail or a pedophile went to jail, they would. Yes. Be, and they made comments. Up. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's what I thought about as well. That like yeah. that's our our version of like retribution. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And and that for a long time to me like listen, in my evolution of ethics, for a long mm -hmm. time I was like, fuck yeah, do it. Fine. Right. They deserve it. Right. And now I'm like, you know, I really follow more of the eye for an eye makes the whole world blind kind of vibes and mm -hmm. chilled out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely the same way. You know, I don't, I love the show, the golden girls. I don't know if we ever actually talked to, well, I guess maybe a little bit talked about it on this podcast, but I really love the show, the golden girls. And one of the critiques I have of the show is that they had a running, um, joke in one of the episodes where dorothy's telling her ex-husband because they're getting in trouble for tax evasion that she basically that she hopes he gets raped yeah and like that's that's like an ongoing joke in that episode and i always use that as an example about how to critique things we love and criticize things we love and then i'll i'll use that specific example yeah in other circles where i'm talking about this stuff but yeah yeah um and you know there was the part before that where marion says like you can have my body but like not my heart or my mind and he's like that's fine yeah which yeah. like you know perpetuates the attitude that you know men want dominion over women's bodies and it right. doesn't really matter whether or not they're happy or into them so right so does it pass the smell test i mean you kind of already said that you would argue for why <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, the thing is, is that I think the hardest parts of it, and this is the same thing as well, the hardest parts of it are trying to be done in a, a more light way than maybe they used to be or a more ridiculous way to show how ridiculous the thing is. That's how I should say it. I think that the way like him taking the jackhammer to her was to prove like how fucking ridiculous this thought process is. Mm -hmm. It wasn't celebrating that. Yeah, like that was the crux. Of, like it wasn't like funny in the like it was right. funny, right? The device, but it was the show. Look at this awful shit that's happening. Right. And like as they had him carry her up, they made the character uglier. Like they made him sweaty. They made him kind of disheveled a mess. This is his apex of being terrible. And then when he went off with Tracy Ullman, it was it was his choice because she saved his life to do that. And he like traded his life. So even in like the worst parts, I don't think it was done in such an uncaring way. And I think one of the things about this movie was an equal opportunity offender. Right. There were jokes about everybody like there were honky jokes. There were Jewish jokes. There were black jokes. You know what I mean? Like there were there was no point in time that it was. You know, they put them in the beards when they were in the Arab prison. Like, you know what right, I mean? Like there was right, right. it was not one person that they weren't making fun of. And that's how you bring humor. Like, unlike current Dave Chappelle, who just right. thinks it's OK, like, I'm just going to make fun of these girly boys. Right. Like, unlike that, you know, when they ask, even when they say, like, are you like, are you gay? Like, that's Mel Brooks asks, are you gay? Right. And even in that, it wasn't like a judgment. It was just a question, right? Mm -hmm. And like, so parts of those things, I think the equal opportunity offender, the true equal opportunity offender makes it right. so it's okay, you know, and that they are not celebrating themselves for making those jokes, which is what Dave Chappelle does now. He's, he makes fun of trans people and then he thinks he's a fucking G about it and tells you that you are just too sensitive. This movie's like, we're being idiots. This is stupid. Hello. This is dumb. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's why I think that's why I think it exists still persists. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think I think it passes. Um, you know, I the jokes the they don't 
like there weren't like aside from the dyslexic stuff mm-hmm. they didn't do a lot of jokes that like made fun of disabilities they didn't make jokes that were based on like they weren't based on i would say offensive stereotypes as much as they maybe could could have been yeah <laughs> especially back then so it's not like it hinged on like making fun of something that's negative a negative stereotype right of a certain group right you know they have circumcision jokes but like that's kind of <laughs> i gotta go for a younger crowd that was so good that was such <laughs> a good line <laughs> So, I mean, circumcisions happen, right? And there's mm-hmm. a common misconception that that's what, a, that a circumcision's like happens a certain way. I don't know much about circumcisions, but it wasn't like making fun of Jewish people for doing right. it. It's like kind of poking fun at the process being a painful thing and ultimately mm-hmm. what the process is. So. Right. Cool. <laughs> it's all the rage with the ladies. Oh, so, <laughs> so many good things. Yeah. All right. Well, That's thank good. you for watching one of my favorite movies of all time. Diane. Yeah. Thanks for giving me the op- the um, excuse to watch it. I don't watch older films. and Like I would say you said that this is most of you watch films. I would say that I generally don't watch like older films. So this is the most like films from the like 80s and 90s <laughs> that I've watched. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks. We're at the Smell Test Podcast on Instagram and on the Gmail. We're Smell Test Pod on X, formerly known as Twitter. So if you have any ideas, I mean, if you are listening to this and you you have any movies you'd like us to watch and review, please please do let us know because uh, yeah, I like to really fun to find a movie that neither of us have seen that like someone suggests. I know be fun. It'd be super fun. So if you're listening, please feel free to suggest. So anyway, thanks for listening and have a good rest of your day. Bye, y'all.